Welcome to the Man Cave. It's the Man Cave Football Podcast with Dan Gasper. What up, what up? It is the Man Cave Football Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Casper. As always, who else are you expecting? Another episode of the Man Cave Football Podcast, Thanksgiving edition. Hey, maybe some of you are listening to the podcast right now, getting ready for Thanksgiving, maybe on the road, heading over to Thanksgiving dinner. Thank you for uh, taking some time listening to the new newest episode of the Man Cave Football Podcast. Excited about this episode. Uh, give you a little heads up. It's kind of Ravens heavy. A couple topics on the Ravens because uh, what they just did against the Rams. I mean, uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, we know what he's been doing, but the Ravens looking pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. So you know the drill. We got four downs, four down territory to lead things off. Be doing my uh, power rankings, my top five teams. Don't go uh, through the whole 32 teams, just my top five teams. And then ending things with a little extra point. And remember, if you ever have questions that you want me to ask or answer, uh, I should say my podcast, feel free to uh, send them to me. Email them, find me on Twitter, on Facebook, all that good stuff there. But let's get it started with first down. First down. All right, uh, let's let's start off with the Ravens, but on the coaching side of things, Greg Roman, offensive coordinator right now, getting a lot of attention for the work that he has done with Lamar Jackson, and rightfully so. Rightfully so. Remember, Greg Roman kind of came on the scene with San Francisco uh, under Jim Harbaugh. Colin Kaepernick did some good stuff uh, with Buffalo, uh, with Tyrod Taylor when he was uh, perform- playing really well over there. Kind of was the scapegoat for Rex Ryan, though. Remember, he got fired even after the the Bills put up 30 points, over 30 points in his latest game there. So he was kind of the scapegoat over there. But Greg Roman kind of now back on the scene and becoming a hot name out there. And, you know, as soon as this regular season's over within a few weeks, you're going to have a bunch of coaches losing their jobs and teams are going to be looking for new head coaches. Um, So add Greg Roman to that list, to that short list of some of the hottest coaching candidates out there. But I also think Greg Roman... I think if you, you you look at his history in this league and the quarterbacks he's had success with, uh, the offenses he's had success at building, you need that Lamar Jackson, Tyrod Taylor, Colin Kaepernick uh, type of quarterback uh, to lead your offense. And I think that's where Greg Roman can excel, to be creative, to be creative with his offenses. Uh, so, you know, he's he's putting his quarterbacks in position to succeed and not trying to, you know, in this case, Lamar Jackson, strictly make him a pocket-passing quarterback or making Colin Kaepernick just a pocket-passing quarterback. They can, they can throw from the pocket, but that's, you know, not necessarily the best and only thing that they can do. He's really expanding their game. So I think if you're a team that's looking potentially to hire Greg Roman, look at who your quarterback is first or look at your quarterback situation first. And I think if if you were to hire Greg Roman, try to find a quarterback with similar skill sets to like a to like a cap, a Tyrod Taylor, or in this case, Lamar Jackson right now. So that that's the one thing I, I, I would kind of point out there because I know a lot of teams, you know, uh, a lot of teams, fan bases who are maybe hoping for a new head coach, Roman, uh, Greg Roman might be, you know, one of them that they're clamoring for. But kind of pay attention to the quarterback uh, that you have on your roster right now. If you don't have a quarterback on your roster, then maybe kind of pay attention to the quarterbacks that would potentially fit uh, an offensive style like Greg Roman. But 
you know, another assistant coach that uh, is going to be on that short list uh, is, is Robert Sala, the defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. And guess what? We get Ravens and 49ers this week. That's an awesome game. Thanksgiving weekend, 49ers, Ravens. So, you know, talk with the, with the 49ers, 10-1, and 1, Ravens 9-2. and 2. But this might be the game to decide who's going to be the hottest coaching candidate, head coaching candidate coming in this offseason. Because if Salah goes in there and, and shuts down Lamar Jackson, he might move up to number one in terms of uh, who teams want to talk to to become their next head coach. If Greg Roman goes out there and puts up a boatload of points against Robert Sala's defense, he might move up to number one of the coordinators, the hot coordinators out there for uh, to become a new head coach. So think about that when you're watching this game. And why would you be watching this game? Oh, probably watch your favorite team first. But, I mean, look at you. This is going to be an awesome game. It's going to be such an awesome game. I cannot uh, wait for it. Uh, but th- that's going to be kind of maybe the, you know, what – front office execs, owners for teams that are thinking about making a coaching change, they're going to have their eyes on this one for sure. Because I think whoever, depending on how the outcome goes, if, if it's a defensive uh, you know, defensive victory for the 49ers, I think Salah moves up. If the Ravens just have their way on offense, well, I think Greg Roman moves up. So keep an eye on that. that that's going to be fun to watch. Second down. All right, so how do you stop Lamar Jackson? Can you stop Lamar Jackson? I know I've said it in a few times in my podcast now. He's still my number one guy for MVP. I think it's a two-man race right now at this point between him and Russell Wilson. You know, Lamar Jackson is top ten in rushing. Now, depending on your thoughts of uh, quarterback play, whether you like mobile quarterbacks or running quarterbacks or, or whatever have you, whatever side of the fence you're on, well, can that style of play last? Uh, you know, age does catch up to you. Lamar Jackson, I don't, maybe he will, but I mean, once he hits, you know, 30 plus, he's probably not going to be able to outrun every single defender on the field. But the Ravens aren't worried about that now. The NFL is all about right now, winning right now, winning Super Bowls right now. So they're utilizing Lamar Jackson's talents in the best way possible to win right now. So whatever side of the fence you're on about styles of quarterbacks or styles of play at quarterbacks, the the Ravens are utilizing his talents the proper way right now. So whether you don't like the fact that he has all these rushing yards, it doesn't matter. The Ravens are winning right now. And their offense looks pretty dang good. Bill Belichick couldn't even stop it. I mean, the Ravens aren't necessarily unbeatable. They're beatable. They got two losses. They're playing right now some really good football and playing with a lot of confidence, and Lamar Jackson's one of them. So how do you stop him? That's a good question. And it does help out. He's got playmakers around him, too. Not trying to diminish Lamar Jackson by any means, but it does help out with his style of play to have playmakers around him. Ingram in the backfield. It helps to have a running back like him behind him. It helps to have some pass catchers to throw to, some receivers, some tight ends to throw to, like the Ravens have done. So the Ravens have done a a terrific job, a good job of surrounding him with talent. Because that's where Lamar Jackson is really thriving as well. 
really thriving as well because he can get the ball to those guys. So the best way to stop him, is it a pick-your-poison scenario? I think you know the first thing, when, when you look at Lamar Jackson, you, you have to recognize his escapability, his movement around the pocket, his movement outside of the pocket. So does that mean you put like a safety or a corner to almost kind of spy him? Because he's going to outrun most linebackers, if not all linebackers. So do you put a corner or a safety on him? To, to play that quarterback spy type of role. You're dedicating one defender just watching him, but that means you'll lose some defenders probably in the secondary. So you're going to need your corners essentially to play almost man-on-man and take those and, and be able to play a man-on-man defense against those guys. But you're going to have to be able to play some, you know, you're going to have to be able to stop the run. I think the ultimate way is if you could stop the run, if you could clog up those lanes, if you're going up against a good defensive line defense, clog up the run, and you have some corners that can play some press press coverage on them, then it makes it a little bit harder for Lamar Jackson. Contain, contain, contain It would be the key word for any defense going up against Lamar Jackson. Third down. So do we know the NFC playoff teams already? I think we do. Uh, it's. I think it's still a wide open NFC at this point. You got the 49ers at number one with uh, with a ten and one record. You got the Saints and the Seahawks with with two losses. Packers and Vikings with three losses. Well, that's five teams right there. And then you got the division winner for the NFC East, which is going to be between the Cowboys or the Eagles right now at this point. Right now, it's the Cowboys. Other than that, with the Rams losing to the to to the Ravens. They're six and five. You get Carolina at five and six. Chicago at five and six. Those teams ain't making the playoffs. So I think we know the teams making the playoffs in the NFC. And you got a couple of them with the shot to to clinch. San Francisco's got a shot to clinch this coming weekend. New Orleans has a shot to clinch a playoff spot this upcoming weekend. So we know the teams, but there is still a lot of juggling around. Still a lot of juggling around in terms of seedings. You know, the 49ers got a, a, still a tough schedule coming up. Packers and Vikings are going to be playing each other. That game in Week 16 could, uh, de, you know, decide the division. Saints going to win their division, but could they get the one seed or the two seed? Seahawks and San Francisco are still going to play things out for that division too. So there's still a lot to be played within the NFC in terms of positioning in the playoffs. But I really think we know the teams already. We know the teams in the NFC playoffs. It's going to be the 49ers. It's going to be the Seahawks. It's going to be the Saints. It's going to be the Packers. And it's going to be the uh, the Vikings. And I think ultimately it is going to be the Cowboys instead of the Eagles. Eh, it'll be close, but it's going to be the Cowboys. And then because the NFC is so kind of loaded with five teams, be prepared for this when we get closer to the playoffs. And I'm looking at like, uh, you know, Seattle, San Fran, Green Bay and Minnesota, when we talk about positioning, because I, I bring those four teams out because whoever doesn't win the division is going to get a wild card. But in one instance, is it almost better to not be the three seed? I guess you could throw New Orleans in on this too if you want. But is it better to not be the three seed? Because if you're, if you're the three seed, you're going to be playing – like the Packers, the Vikings, the Sea uh, the Seahawks or the 49ers. 
Think about that because of those four teams, two will be division winners, two will be wild cards. Saints, they're not going to be a wild card. They're going to win their division. So they'll be like a one, two, three, or four seed. One, two, three, or four seed. So potentially, if you're a three seed, like if you're the Packers, let's say, you could face the Vikings as a six seed. You could face the Seahawks as a six seed. Or you could face the 49ers as a six seed, depending on what happens. It's kind of weird to say that. But depending on their difficult schedule coming up here, that could happen, vice versa. So is it better almost to be a wild card team or go for that fifth wild card spot, if you will? I know it's kind of hard to try to go for a, a fifth wild card spot, but if you go for a fifth wild card spot, you play Dallas or Philly. I mean, wouldn't you rather play Dallas or Philly than play uh, and the, rather than be a, a three seed and play like Seattle? Green Bay, Minnesota. You know that's going to start popping up when we get closer to to the playoffs here. Now, teams are going to tell you they'd rather have the home game, and I would agree. You'd rather have the home game. You would 100% would rather have the home game. But we'd also be foolish not to deny that. You know what? Dallas is not in the same company. Philly is not in the same company as those other top five NFC teams right now. They're just not. They're just not. So, Fourth down. Speaking of the Cowboys, fourth down, will the Cowboys finally pull the trigger and fire Jason Garrett? By now, you've all seen the comments by owner Jerry Jones. Those are easily the most uh, 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 honest comments I think he's had about his head coach that has been under question from a lot of people for the last couple of years. And for the most part, Jerry Jones has stood behind Jason Garrett, really has stood behind Jason Garrett for all these years. Now it seems like that that's kind of teetering here a little bit. Really calling out the coaching. Um, you know, if this if the Cowboys did play on Thanksgiving, maybe a coaching change is made, but it's such a, a quick turnaround week. Uh, Dallas has a tough matchup against Buffalo. Depending on what happens there, if Dallas gets embarrassed, or depending on if if they lose and depending on how they lose, it might not be a very happy Thanksgiving for Jason Garrett. Because if I'm Jerry Jones, you have a couple of candidates on your team right now, on that coaching staff, that might get some looks. Now, I I don't think Moore is going to get looks anymore. At the beginning of the season, there was a lot of talk about the way he was calling plays for for Dallas. The you know the young prodigy offensive play caller is he going to get some head coaching interviews next year? That's really dwindled down. So I don't see that happening. But you know, Jason, but Jerry Jones was kind of that way with Jason Garrett. Didn't want him to leave town. Moved on from Wade Phillips to preserve to keep Jason Garrett. So, but they also got. Chris Richard on staff, who got a lot of interviews last year for a head coaching job. Didn't get him. Jerry Jones maybe want to see what Chris Richard could do with his team. Ultimately, I don't think it would be more. We're, we're just going to go with the, the thought that maybe Jason Garrett, Jason Garrett is fired after this weekend. If there were an interim coach to be tapped, Rob Marinelli has had coaching experience. Maybe he gives it to Rob Marinelli just to finish out the season. I think he would give it to Chris Richard, to be honest with you. At least I would. Because A, you get to see a legit head coach candidate perform. It's it's on the job interview. But also, 
if he if Jerry Jones really did want to potentially have more as his head coach down the line or keep him as an offensive play caller by not promoting him to head coach or by not promoting him to the interim head coach means then you wouldn't have to remove it at season's end. Kind of, I think, the similar approach, you know, what the Packers did last year after moving Mike McCarthy, or moving on from Mike McCarthy. They could have made Mike Pettin the interim head coach. He's got head coaching experience. Now, they did have another interim or a head coaching experience on staff in Joe Philbin, but I think they gave it to Joe Philbin because they wanted to keep Mike Pettin on staff. They didn't really want to take away anything from him. They didn't want to take a label away from him. They don't want to take away the head coaching job away from him in case he really did want it. Because if you do that, then maybe he doesn't want to stay. So I think if Dallas gets embarrassed this weekend again, it might not be a happy Thanksgiving for Jason Garrett. I know there's reports about him you know, interested in going to the Giants. That'd be something. Jason Garrett ended up coaching the Giants next year. We already know the one of the first primetime games of opening weekend. Usually is Cowboys Giants, but that adds even more drama to that matchup there. But if they do move on from Jason Garrett, I think you go Chris Richard as the interim head coach and see maybe possibly he could be the future head coach for the Dallas Cowboys. Power rankings time. All right, my top five. You know the drill. I don't go through all 32 teams. I just do the top five teams. Top five uh, teams in the NFL right now. We're going to start at number five. I got the New Orleans Saints squeaking by with a victory over the Carolina Panthers and a little luck from some bad kicking from the Carolina Panthers. Got the Saints at number five. Seahawks coming in at number four. Uh, New England Patriots I have at number three. And then the battle for number one. It's going to be happening this weekend. Number two, I got the 49ers. And number one, I've got the Baltimore Ravens. I will already tip my pick. Whoever wins this one will be number one in next week's power rankings. No big shock there. Number one, Ravens. Number two, 49ers. Number three, Patriots. Number four, Seahawks. Number five, Saints. Number five, Saints. I I know I said this before, but I am pumped for this Ravens and 49ers game. I think we're really going to find out. If either one of these teams or both these teams are legit contenders, I think they are. But maybe there's still some question marks surrounding both these teams. Like, okay, is Lamar Jackson for real? Is this 49ers team for real? We'll find out a little bit more coming up this weekend. Extra point time. The last topic I want to talk about. So, NFL Network doing an awesome thing with the the top 100 players, changing it up a bit. You know, remember it was at 2010, they did the top 100 players this fall time. They actually ranked them. You know, number one was Jerry Rice. Uh, They ranked their players. They had their players with a number by them. They're doing it a little bit different this year. They've got 100 players, but they don't have a ranking next to them. So the first episode uh, they had Friday night, they did the running backs. So a dozen running backs made the list. But they didn't rank it like, you know, Jim Brown's the number one running back or Jim Brown's the number one player and Emmett Smith is the number 17th overall player. They just they came up with their 100 players list and are revealing them by position groups. Kind of interesting. Uh, but, you know, you had Bill Belichick on there, I think is awesome. Rich Eisen hosting, awesome. Chris Collinsworth's on there as, on there as well. Uh, so Friday night, got to watch it. And the list that came out, it was... It was interesting. It kind of shocks me because they had players back in like the 30s, 40s, 50s on there. 
a lot of a uh, few players that let's be honest a lot of you probably have never heard of Dutch Clark et cetera et cetera they made that list they made the finals the 12th the top 12 they're in the top 100 players of all time and there were some running backs that were on the initial top 100 players list that are not in this one Marshall Falk Ladanian Tomlinson not on this one and there's some running backs that are on this list that weren't on the other one and these were the guys that played in the 30s 40s and 50s so it was that to me was the interesting part how and and you can make the case for Marshall Falk you can make the case for Ladanian Tomlinson you can make a case for a lot of running backs out there I didn't have a problem with the list my list would have been different but I didn't have a problem with it because it appreciates the history of the game. It honors the history of the game. I think a lot of times when we talk about the best of, best ever play, best to ever do it, it's such a recency effect. I get it. But we also have to honor the history of the game. There were other players to play this game rather than just the last 30, 40, 50 years. In the first 50 years, there were other players to play this game, and they were pretty dang good at it too. So that's why I really liked it, because it really brought in players that today's fans maybe don't know a whole lot about, and it introduced fans to these players. Because they were good players. Now coming up, they're going to be doing the front seven linebackers, defensive uh, linemen. A lot of names you recognize on there. Luke Kikili's even a finalist, and that's another cool thing. They've they got the they're they're releasing the finalists. Then they'll announce, I guess, would you term it winners uh, on Friday night? But you got like Luke Kikli, Von Miller's on there. Then you go way back in the day, Clark Hinkle. Guys like that. I love it. I love that they have really kind of tapped into the history of the NFL. That's it for this week's edition of the Man Cave Football Podcast. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. Don't forget, subscribe to the podcast wherever your favorite podcasts are found. Google, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Subscribe and rate it. Rate it a good one so other uh, football fans can find uh, the podcast too. So have a great Thanksgiving. We'll be back at it again next week, wrapping up this week of football and getting closer and closer to the playoffs. I'm Dan Casper, and this is the Man Cave Football Podcast.